You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, today is not a normal service, if you can tell, uh, which is good. I mean, you know, hey, who hates coming to a service when it's always the same, right? This means yes. This means no. Uh, you know, kind of what you've seen most of us wearing these shirts that say serve. We really wanted to highlight uh, can I make it like a serve Sunday where we talk about serving and what it looks like to serve and, you know, what happens when you serve and all those good things. But serving really comes back to, uh, you know, this phrase that we've heard several, the phrase is preparing a table. And I, isn't that a beautiful picture? When, when I think about a table prepared, it's like, man, look at that. That's just gorgeous. That reminds me of... Uh, the Biltmore in, in Asheville. That's just gorgeous. And just the detail that goes into that. And, um, you know, in Psalms 23.5, we're going to move through this pretty quick. In Psalms 23.5, it says, Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. And, you know, David wrote that. And, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, he prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. And a lot of times we begin to th- we begin to physically or think or mentally think about people. And, you know, it's sometimes it can be people, but more times than not, uh, your enemies can be things like challenges in your life, obstacles, difficulties, all those things. And they become this thing that are just so overwhelming that they take over your every one of your thoughts and how you how you plan your day and how you think and how you feel, uh, you know how you how you go in a certain direction, and you know God is so good. And David, when he wrote this verse, he was experiencing this firsthand because he was in the midst of massive anguish. He was in the midst of massive anxiety. He was being pursued on every side by the enemy, which was Saul, and had his whole army out looking for him. And when when David wrote this verse, he was saying to God, I recognize that even in the midst of my crisis, my difficulties, obstacles, even physical enemies, you prepare a table for me in the midst of all this. And he, when he said that and when he acknowledged that, it took him from one place to another place. And in leaning into that, he was saying to God, I recognize that even though my problems are huge and what's going on in my life, I recognize that one word from you can change everything in my life. Amen? And, and I propose to you, listen, one word from God can change everything in your life. And understanding that God does prepare a table for you in the midst of your enemies, that you can sit down in the midst of crisis. You can sit down and have peace of mind. Even when you shouldn't, when it doesn't look like it's you know the natural thing to do is to have peace of mind in the midst of all the things that are going on. But David knew that he needed to acknowledge that because he needed it to, to nourish his soul and to give him strength. You know, um, one of the things that, 
I love Revelations 1.18, and we were kind of talking about the, uh, this this morning, that whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Revelations 1.18 says, Jesus holds the keys to death and the grave. That's good news. That's good news. You know why it's good news? Because if he holds the keys to death and the grave, it means he won absolute victory. And because he won absolute victory, you have won absolute victory. And I love that. And God prepared, and, and think about this, God prepared a table for Jesus in the midst of his enemies. And he came out victorious. So that's the model that we go after, that we, we understand that if we are in him, we are victorious, and we are able to lean into the same truth that God, what he did for Jesus, he'll do for us. Why? Because Jesus went to the Father for us. So I love that. And, um, well, you know, what is kind of the parable here uh, for us as a church? And, you know, to me it's that we have this God who's super gracious and he's a gracious host that calls and sends out invitations and provides a banquet for honored guests. And we are to model that same kind of nature and character as the church that we, that we are gracious hosts. And that when people come into our environment, we prepare a table for them. And, uh, you know, I'll say this. It's, um, it's, it's, it's not as easy as we think it is sometimes because there's a, lot of, there's a lot of preparation and there's a lot of work that goes into uh, having a church and having a place of worship. There's, you know, people that are moving on every end of everything that we're doing. But one of the things I want to encourage you in is that as we prepare a table for people, um, you know, we don't know what trial and what thing that somebody's going through in their life when they come through these doors. I'm going I'm to read this uh, story to you from, uh, let me pull it up. can't remember the guy's name. This was real poignant to me, though. I, it made a lot of sense. Um, Philip, um, Philip Yancey, once, you guys know, anybody know who Philip Yancey is? He said, uh, one time a friend told him, he said, when I'm late to church, people turn around and stare at me with frowns of disapproval. Uh, let, me, let me put some context around this. An alcoholic friend of Philip Yancey once said to him, when I'm late to church, people turn around and stare at me with frowns of disapproval. And I get the clear message that I'm not as responsible as they are. When I'm late to an AA meeting, the meeting comes to a halt, and everyone jumps up to hug and welcome me. Because why? Because they realize that my lateness may be a sign that I almost didn't make it. And when I show up, it proves that my desperate need for them won out over my desperate need for alcohol. Isn't that, isn't that good? I mean, that's really good. And, and, you know, preparing a table 
is so huge because we're preparing a table for those in the midst of their crisis, in the midst of their en enemies, their vices, alcohol, drugs, depression, anxiety, loneliness. And, and we're creating this place at the table where they can feel the presence of God and hear his words for, them, for themselves. And, and again, hearing that word will change their life and that they can get the solutions that they need for their problems where, and where they feel welcomed and loved. And, you know, that was one of the things we talked about last week. That's why we're so big on building family around his presence because when you come into a place and there's a presence being prepared, the presence falls because of the preparation of the worship and what's going on, it changes people's lives. It changes people's lives. And people get healed in the presence. They get delivered in the presence of God. They can hear clearly because everything else has been drowning out God's voice. But when you get into a place in an atmosphere where everything is focused on the, the excellence of to know him better, it just hones everything in. And, um, you know, Jesus said to his disciples in 2020, 2028, I love this too. It says, for even, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And if you go up in the, in the verse above, it says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Listen, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Amen. This is all simple, okay? This is really simplistic. But I think we as a church miss this so many times. You know, one of the things we get to do when we serve with one another, we build community. We build relationships. We build family. Um, you know, it's, 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 really, it's really no different, um, you know, when we talk about how a natural family comes in and they prepare, and of course, we don't see this as often as we, we used to back years ago, but how a natural family comes in and prepares a meal for, for the evening. They're, everybody's involved in the process of doing something. And they all come together for one common purpose, to set the table, to be at the table. And why are they at the table? Because at the table, there's nourishment, not just physically, but spiritually. Because there's interaction going on across the table. There's something happens when you break bread at a table and you eat a meal together. And it's the same principle when you come into a church and you're serving with one another and you're, and you're preparing a table for the people that are coming in that you may know or you might not know. That doesn't really matter. The excellence that goes in to you preparing the table prepares a seat for that person to come in and feel loved and feel known. It's really important. It's really, really important. And, and you know, we are very fortunate. Most everybody, you know, I know everybody's schedule is different. Some people are here some weeks and they're gone other weeks. But, um, you know, we do have a big portion of our people that serve. And uh, I'd like to say the people that do serve and do come and do those things, they build better relationships because they're serving together. And I want to encourage you, you know, as the year goes on in 2024, don't just sit by and be a spectator. I mean, now, if you're here, you're getting, and we know there's different stages and different seasons in people's lives, and you might be here and you've been beat up and, you know, you've, you've come out of a bad situation and you need to just rest for a little while. We're, we understand that. We're okay with that. Uh, but I, 
I want to encourage you, if there's anything in there that wants deeper community and deeper relationship, you're going to find it when you, when you come together and you serve together. And God gives us so many opportunities to build family that way. Um, you know, David used the illustration of, of setting the table because uh, Middle East hospitality is world-renowned. It's one of those things that the Middle East and the Jewish culture, they do hospitality better than anybody else. And uh, th there's a, there was a man, I'll read this because it really makes sense when you read it from somebody that is from the Middle East. Um, this guy, I can't say his name. Ibn Smahara, or what, that's about as good as I'm going to get. He's, he says, it's a part of our culture, and it's a duty. It's considered shameful if people come to your house and you don't give them food. It's also shameful if people come to your house while you eat and you don't invite them to your table. It's actually called baraka, which means blessing when someone eats with you by sharing your food. You're not only satisfying your hunger, but also, also your soul. And, and that, that's... That's the understanding. That is the, that is the mentality that they've developed over thousands and thousands of years is, hey, we're going to be host. We're going to set a table, and we're going to feed people that come through, that are coming through the desert, that are, dry, that are thirsty, that are hungry, because that's what honor looks like. And so as a church, I, I just want to say that, you know, I want to stress that importance of preparing a table for all those to come and sit and be fed and to understand that our table is always big enough for people. Every single person that comes into this place, the table is big enough for every person that's here. And um, I, just, I just love that, you know, our church over the, over the last few years, I feel like we've done this really, really well, but we always need to tune up. And we can always remind ourselves that, uh, you know, I, I guess there's a saying, you know, you could do more. Uh, but, you know, we, we've gotten really good over the last two or three years of setting up what I think are unhealthy boundaries. Uh, because we use excuses around, well, I've got to protect my time. And because it, it, if I don't protect my time, then I'm, I'm misusing it or somebody's going to abuse that time. And what we, what we don't realize is there, are, there is a lie attached to some of that sometimes. And the enemy uses that to keep you disjointed and disconnected from people around you. And so uh, I'm not here to sit here and say, I want everybody to sign up for something today. But we've got to understand that just like setting that table like the family does, that from the from from the place of starting in the morning, we've got the, the worship leaders come in here, do pre-setup in the morning. They, work, they set up during the week, uh, putting out song lists. They're preparing. They're worshiping themselves, asking God what, what they're supposed to bring to you today. The children's ministry is, uh, they're back there setting out schedules all week, and they're preparing for what God's going to do. Uh, with your kids. It's not just a babysitting service. I mean, they're back there learning things, and they're back there learning about truth. They're back there learning about the Bible, because we're to add value to your families. 
And then you have the setup, the setup teams, the teardown teams, the media teams. Everybody's involved. They're doing something. We have the, we have the greeter team uh, and the greeter teams, which is huge on my heart. And I'd like to see that even grow even more because my biggest core va- value for this church is for people to feel seen, heard, and known. And as a greeter, you get to make people feel seen, heard, and known. And when Terry was talking this morning about who loved on somebody, who, you know, who gave a prophetic word, who hugged somebody. Listen, all of you guys, somebody said this. I think it was Dan Weber at Bethel, Atlanta. He said this just last week. If you're looking for the church uh, to provide a ministry for you, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because it's not the church's job to provide you a ministry. It's everybody is called to ministry. And it's your job to understand how important you are to what God's plan is on this earth, to be a part of the kingdom, and that you have an opportunity to be powerful and to go do something, and nobody has to give you a ministry or give you a title in order for you to be powerful. Does that make sense? So uh, I, I, like being an under, I, I like calling it being an undercover lover, <laughs> where you just... My wife's giving me the look like, you just took that to a whole nother level. Not like undercovers lover. Okay. Hidden, hidden, hidden. But you guys all have an opportunity to come in here and just unbeknowingly to anybody, come up to somebody, give them a hug, give them a word, Somebody looks stone, you know, stone-faced that morning or looks like they're having a really bad day. Go up and encourage them. Hug them. Hey, so glad you're here. You would be amazed at what it does for people. And, and that's one of the things I do love about our church. We, we, we are really good at that. But we have to be reminded from time to time that when we come in here, we're, we're doing this as unto the Lord. If, if we're not, why are we doing it, Right? You know, and so, uh, honey, why don't you finish up with this? Yeah, I know. (laughs) I think I lost my eyelashes. (laughs) So, anyway, no, I'm not going to go over what I was going to do because everybody's getting ready for lunch. But we're going to highlight some of our serve areas. And I will just kind of share with, kind of um, bounce off of what Chris said, is that we talked about we're going to be centered presence-centered this year, that 2024, we want to go after presence and to build family around that presence. And presence, when it's mentioned in scripture, is actually face. And to be present, it's a, the presence equals a shining face of a perfect father pointed directly at you. And when are you most often face-to-face but at the table, right? And so I really believe God was telling me actually a few years ago, he said, Terry, I'm taking y'all resurgent from the basement to the dining room table. And if you were here our first year, we were literally in a basement. We were, you'd go in, you'd go downstairs, and it felt like a dungeon almost. I was like, oh my gosh. And then we came here, it felt like the penthouse because we got this beautiful city of, of view of Atlanta. But I feel like really that this is the year to sit at the dining room table, which is much more intimate, much more extravagant. Can't remember what the other word was that I had for it, but um, it's more elegant. But there's, a, there's an in-between because the basement's the family time. You just play, you kick back, you just eat some chips out of the bag. There's not a lot of preparation. But to get to the dining room table, there is that preparation, right? But what happens in the kitchen 
it's fun. You do it together. You prepare. And what happens is massive preparation, but deep connection. That's where the deep connection is. So I'm really saying let's join in like this kitchen phase because I know God's directing us to the dining room table where we're going to really step into a deeper level of presence together. Does that sound good? So we're kind of asking y'all to come on into the kitchen. You know, that's the fun. You do eat in the kitchen, right? But it's not the extravagance like the dining room where we're actually face-to-face in deeper intimacy, deeper family. So I just kind of wanted to bounce off that. We are going to have Stephen come up. And um, do you want to run and get Gary and Lacey? Okay, you go get Gary and Lacey. I'm going to highlight um, two serve areas real quick. So Nick and Jenny, why don't you all stand up real quick? So Nick and Jenny, they're such good friends. We go way back. But they've been, and you all turn around. So you all come up here so I can see you. So Nick and Jenny, come on. Come on, Nick and Jenny, they're such a blessing. They drive all the way down from noon and two. And so whenever the, when there's a setup or teardown team who doesn't show up, if they're out of town or whatever, they just drive up from noon and to help us out. And I'm like, call us, don't do that. So they do have some needs. Basically, we just need people to tear down. Okay, what does that involve? And you can tell me if I forget stuff. But like those resurgent letters tear those curtains off the window you just yank them down and fold them put them in a basket like it's little things like that and there's a specific way so they'll help you they schedule it so you just tell them I can't do it that Sunday it's very simple and you just do it after church and would you say it takes 20 minutes 15 minutes yeah at 20 minutes if you're slow so if you're taking 20 minutes Jenny thinks you're slow But uh, exactly, if you're talking with your friends, you know. But I'm going to say, I don't know if Amanda's here. Is Do you mind if I just embarrass you? So Amanda's going to stand up. She's a single mama, and she comes up with her little three-year-old, however old she is. She's grown now. but when And she and her little girl are tearing down on their committed Sunday. There's been times she's... Her little girl hadn't felt good, and she left her, I think, with somebody and came up here to do it. I was like, why didn't you call me? She was like, well, I just did it. The people are so committed. And I'm like, if a single mother can do that, where's the Horton boys real quick? I'm sorry, I call them boys. They are grown men. But they were in my youth group when they were little boys, and I just and they drive all the way up from Noonan. And whenever, <laughs> yeah, they drive further than all of us. And um, there have been times that, same thing, one of them was sick, and the other one's like, I got it. And he drives up here by himself to do it because they know that they're on that day. And, yeah, and they always feel in that free hole whenever there's, like, somebody didn't show up or we, we, we're down to three people. We really want to have one person a month. One person could do it, and if two people do it together, it would probably take you ten minutes. But um, still 15, still 15 if you get two people. A pair is really good. So that's why they kind of do it together. We'll pair you with somebody. But it really, and here's why we're asking that, because Chris and I do a lot of setup. And I'm not saying, like, woohoo me, I don't care, I'm here, I need something to do. And I have people like Shantae's always like, move, I can't let you do that, and she's doing it for me. But I'm here anyway, and I love doing it. But after church, we really would love it if we, Chris and I, could visit with some of the members or some of the visitors or pray for people, and it just frees us up to not have to do quite so much after the service. Does that make sense? Is there anything I need, miss, needed to add? Okay, so y'all reach out to Nick and Jenny. Can I have my slide up there that just says serve, join a serve team? So if you go to this QR code, 
you can just fill out, and it's for all the teams, and it'll ask you a question, and then I will connect you with Nick and Jenny. Okay, now, uh, Steve and Barb, did they leave? Oh, do y'all feel like coming up here? All right. I'm going to rephrase that. Get up here. I know. Well, you're not in a wheelchair. <laughs> I was going to say. Okay, I'm going to say. They're, they're two legs down. <laughs> I mean, if y'all aren't a sight, did you hear me say Okay, it got really quiet. But anyway, okay, I, I feel like I have the relationship that I can tease them about that. But anyway, so Steve and Barb are so amazing. They help out with greeting, right? They don't just help out there. They're greeters. And they schedule it for us. But what is so beautiful, and, of course, don't you just love seeing their face every Sunday? But, y'all, let's just kind of get realistic. We did have a whole team. It's kind of trickled down. Here she breaks her leg, and they're still trying to come up here because they need help. So we need some people to come on and get on board and be greeters. All you got to do is smile. You can fake a smile, you know, and love on people and prophet. And, you, and then you get braver. You prophesy for people. You heal the sick out on the curb before they even get in here, right? So They need to speak English, too. Oh, they need to speak English. Well, if, you know, interpretation can help, too. But, yeah, so anything else they need to do? I can always count on Steve. Well, we got, you know, who we have left over has really been a blessing. Bill's been a blessing. Greg and Susan Moore have been a blessing to fill in a um, couple times with her situation. I mean, this has been a little challenge. It'd be, it'd be like, well, it'd be like Saturday night that we decided that there's no way we're going to be able to make it. And I've been able to call these guys and they said, yep, we got you covered. So Yeah, they've been wa- that is true. It's been wonderful. But, I, but my heart is to see them organize it and do it every now and then because I also like to see what they bring in here. And I feel like they're always on the porch, which is okay. But I know that they have special, unique giftings and that they are amazing to be in here, to be loving on people. And I'd like to spread that out and share that. Does that make sense? So, again, when you go to that QR code, there's a sign out there. There's a sign by the coffee where you can go to that QR code. You can sign up for any of the serve teams. And what I'll do is I'll just direct you to Steve and Barb, and they'll kind of ask you what's a good schedule for you, what does it involve, because it's really just before the service, 930. Okay, so it's not 930. We're not asking you to get here at 9 o'clock or anything. 930. And anything else? Okay, cool. So aren't they beautiful people? Okay, um, who wants to go first? All right, let's highlight the kids. Woohoo! I'm liking that. I like that, Chris. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm feeling very encouraged. Thank you, Ashley. I'm also feeling we have a recap video. We want to do that first? Okay. We have a video to show you guys, and then I'll talk. Yeah, I know.
I'm feeling really, really encouraged about your kids right now, the youth. Um, they're such deep wells. I just came from the, um, the elementary class, and honestly, we're spending time enjoying God's presence, and then I open it up for them, and they start speaking into my life, genuinely. And I've told some of the parents specifically that there were things that were said to me that I'm still chewing on this week. Um, so this is such a cool experience to um, volunteer with kids because they also really do bless you in return. As we are giving to them in return, they really have just blessed us so much. We're really excited about this new phase, new chapter that we're in with kids in particular because we are separating into two groups. So that means the older kids can uh, go a little deeper uh, developmentally and the younger kids can be where they're at. Um, and what's really cool is when we did this last week, um, it was just as powerful for both, but it gave them space to be where they're at um, based on their age and development. And we saw so much beauty from it. Gary and I were, um, we were really leading it last week so that we could experiment and get all the kinks out. And we came together and I think we just started laughing in the spirit because it was so good. We just like sent so much of God's presence over over that uh, change that we have. So we'd love for you guys to come and join in. The only way for that really to be possible is if we have enough volunteers so that we can separate. Um, we do have also a ratio. We follow the ratio um, that Georgia um, has in place for children and um, adults to children ratio. So we do need three more people at least for pre-K and for elementary in order to pull that off as well as Gary and I loving being with the youth as well and um, what we're feeling for them. We are unable to do both of those things without the support. So um, we'd love for you guys to join us. It's been absolutely amazing and we're excited about where it's going. Yes. Well, let me add this too, because I just want to say, tell us what the need is when you say we need three more people. Yeah, absolutely. So specifically in the pre-K, um, we have, so I'll always give you a very straightforward timeline to follow in the pre-K. I would need um, at least two people that would be willing to be the leader in that room, to follow the timeline, to do the lesson, which is going to be very clearly stated to you and will not feel at all confusing. Um, you'll know what you're doing. Um, and then I would need one more person in that room as an assistant who would be there you know, seeing all the details and, you know, making sure everybody's safe, cooperating, maybe joining in if somebody's having a hard time sharing, that kind of thing. But also both people are speaking life over the kids and praying over them and all that good stuff. Um, and then for elementary, it's similar. So I, I do like to have someone who takes on the the timeline, the leader role, and is going to follow through with that timeline and lead the lesson, and then there's someone there to assist the things that they might not be able to do. So if I could get um, in that classroom, I could use probably actually two more leaders and two more assistants. Um, so if that's you and you feel that on your heart, we would love to have you guys. Did either one of you guys want to say something else? Okay. Um, and it's been really helpful having the teenagers um, from the youth and pulling them in, having that synergy. Um, and as we take over more of what's going on in the youth, um, it's just been like really uh, cool just to be in that room, to be able to engage with them in a little bit more uh, mature audience for, you know, deeper, um, deeper thinking and deeper experience. But having them 
um, you know, in that room as as your helpers also does really, it really alleviates that, but it also creates this generational um, togetherness where we all see each other in a way that's, you know, ministering to each other and we're serving together um, in that togetherness. So, um, yeah, we're really excited. Um, <laughs> we really are. And we wanted you guys to get involved. So, yeah. Step here. Step here for a second because, yeah, woohoo, yes. So don't just cheer. Go up there and sign up. <laughs> I got I to gotta support. Them. I love them so much, and I just can't do it without them. So I got to support them so 100,000%. But I do want to say this, too, because Gary and Lacey are our generation's pastors. And Chris and I have had vision from day one about generations, from birth to basically graduating from high school. And what does that look like? To even go further, even with young adults, with young adults pouring into youth, youth pouring into kids, kids pouring into uh, preschool. And then someone mentioned one time, why stop there? Why isn't it preschool pouring into kids, kids pouring to youth, youth pouring into? That's the generations. And we've always wanted a multi-generational church. We've never, it's appealing to go, we want a young adult church. They're the cool ones. Well, then you don't have any offerings because it's the older people who believe in the thing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we want all old people. We got a lot of money. But we, I say old people, that sounded horrible. But you got people who are more foundationally and they, you got you, maybe you have that, but you don't have I don't know, whatever it is, but we, because we all have our own specific gifts and callings and experiences, life experiences, and we need that whole generational piece. So I said that to say that we've been dreaming together with Dom and Rose, who are youth leaders, and Stephen, who's been the youth pastor, youth leader, and um, what it looks like for us to even have when we have a curriculum that each grade level all the way up to senior high is basically learning identity, let's say. So when the teenagers are volunteering and the kids, they're already been feeding identity so that they can help support, teach that with the kids. When they're learning about prophetic, the kids can prophesy to the teenagers, even when the teenagers are helping in the class. But we also need adults, and in order to free them up to be in a lot of places at one time, we need more help. Because right now we got two classes plus youth. We want it to be three classes because all the elementaries together, we got K through six in one room. Y'all know that's not doable. So if we could split that in two and then also help integrate them with teenagers with Rose and Dom and Stephen as well, I think we can really get this off. They've got big visions. We're talking kids' church. We're talking kids leading the worship, teenagers leading the worship, kids prophesying, not just in kids' class but in here. But it takes people because right now they're working themselves physically to death, I guess I should say, <laughs> because the dream is there. But we have to have physical hands to get it to the next level. Make sense? All right. Yeah. Just really quick. Um, so uh, I this uh, today was the first day we had a lot of moving parts. So I was involved in the pre-K room for the first time as the coordinator, and um, all the instructions that Lacey laid out. We brainstormed last night on the topic, but I was able to go boom, 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 boom. It was so it made sense. Every every point made sense. So if there's even a little intimidation from a personal standpoint, I walked in there today. I knew exactly what I was going to do, and I just it just flowed through. So.
All right, hey, real quick, I know we're running a little bit short on time, but I have three big areas I want to highlight this morning uh, regarding what we do up here and in this room. So first and foremost, obviously, the one that I don't have to talk about a lot, fortunately, is worship. We do that every single time we gather here, right? And so if you are a worship leader, if you're a musician, or if you know somebody that is either a worship leader or a musician that wants a place to not just to play but to plug in and call home, send them our direction. We need people to not just have every week, to, but to build a rotation, and more than that, to build a family. We, we are community-driven. We are presence-driven. And so those two things merge in the worship department the, in the most fluid way possible, right? And so uh, if you know somebody, please send them to me, or you can send them the link uh, on the website to, to sign up that way. Uh, number two, we desperately need... Uh, sound and media people. And so if you see in this back desk right here, we can't do anything up here without those people back there. And so Clint, would you stand up? Jerry, would you stand up? Where's Shantae? Is she in here as well? Please applaud these people. She's working in kids' church right now. You see the, the conundrum we have with people that are in these departments that are also serving in every other area in this church right now. And so uh, if you are interested in running sound or in running what we do with lyrics and slides here uh, during worship and during service, please let me know. We need people, not to, again, not to serve every week. Our dream long-term is to build a rotation with a team so that everyone's not serving every single week, right? That makes sense? Last but not least is the biggest ask that I have all morning. It's going to seem like a lot, but we need people to help with setup and with teardown here with worship. Everything that happens in this room, I want you to close your eyes and imagine everything, all these speakers, all these cables, everything that happens. Imagine this room being empty. We come in at between 5.30 and 6 on Sunday mornings. All this gets put up and in place and tested and checked, and then we do worship, and then we do church, and then we take it all back down again, pack it up, and we go home, and we do that every single week. Uh, and I know, listen, getting here at 6 a.m., I know that sounds like a lot, uh, but I want to say this to you. If you have been a part of this body any period of time, if you've been marked by an encounter with God, if you've built a, a lifelong connection with someone in this room, if, if something in this room, in this church has changed your life, I want to encourage you to lay down your discomfort and whatever it might cost you to do this and to say yes to it, even if it means just for a season or if it means maybe once a month or once every six weeks to come in early on a Sunday morning and prepare a way for not only God to do something powerful, but for a new family or someone who hasn't yet had that experience to come in and just receive so that they might not have to work when they come in on day one. Does that make sense? And so if you're willing to do that, to say yes to that, I encourage you to come and talk to me today. Again, you can sign up on the website with a QR code. Uh, but we really, really need help in those areas specifically. I know that's super practical, but it does make way when you when you build a, a practical foundation for for this stuff to happen every week. It really does make a difference and makes a way for God to do something really unique and special for us. Amen. Do we do we believe that this morning? All right. All right. Thank you, Stephen. That was really good. Um, well, guys, I know we've gone a little long today, but, you know, we felt like it was really important at the first of the year to make known some of our needs and kind of some of the challenges we've had. And, of course, you know, we're going to send out an email and um, to, to let everybody know, hey, if, if there is something God's been moving on your heart to help out, we'd love to hear from you. Why, why didn't everybody stand? And... Um, uh, L'Oreal, would you come up here? Bill, come up here, please. And Stephen, yeah. Uh, we want to give you an opportunity this morning. If there's anybody in here you need 
prayer for healing, you need breakthrough, there's anything we can just pray in agreement with you uh, around something that's happening in your life or you just need a prayer of encouragement, we want to offer you that place here this morning to come up here and get with one of these prayer team members and and pray with you. But Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for this family. We thank you for going, we're going deeper in 2024. God, we thank you that uh, we are your family, that you are a good dad. And God, I just thank you that in 2024, you've prepared a table for us in the midst of our enemies. And that God, you are going to crush Every opposition that comes between us and you and us and our destiny. So, Father, I just thank you right now for your faithfulness, your goodness, your consistency, and, God, your word, and that your word never fails. And, Father, we thank you for all these families in here. I just speak a blessing over them in tw- for 2024. Just more, Lord, more of your presence, more of your goodness, more of uh, your provision, Father, in their life, more of your peace, more of everything, God, that's in you that is supposed to be ours. I just release that over them right now in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website.